Okay, I'm very excited to be talking to Michelle Hassani today. And Michelle, I'm not going to introduce you, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us all about your business and what it is that you do. Thanks, Mel. Um, well, I'm Michelle Hassani. Um, my business is Revive and Thrive, so workplace wellness, leadership and lifestyle coaching. Um, and I've been in business for, I think it's about three years now. Um, so my background is in um, leadership, policy, um, HR, um, so working a lot for not-for-profits and government organisations. Mm -hmm. So um, that will come into play as to why I've ended up where I've ended up. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, so for me, starting out in business, um, I had been in leadership for a long time and realised that I didn't actually love what I was doing anymore and I guess the flow had gone out of it. Um, I'd grown a business too big. Um, I had an ageing father mm -hmm. who was um, ill and um, I had a young daughter at the same time. So it was just a combination of things and reflecting and thinking I'm not loving what I do anymore and there must be a better way of doing life. So mm -hmm. um, following that I went and worked for government for a little while and for about five years um, and did some really interesting pieces of work. Um, but during that time, started thinking about where I wanted to be long-term and coaching um, was the bit in the equation that I loved doing as a leader and as a manager, but I didn't really get the opportunity to do because there were so many other parameters that were influencing my time. Mm -hmm. um, and then having had a cancer experience within the mix of that, yeah. um, I recognised that prevention was an important piece and also that our that very much parts of our health system were fragmented and were awesome at providing treatment but not awesome at helping a person really um, make behaviour change, reclaim their health and wellness post, you know, active intervention of, of um, you know, some really heavy-duty um you know chemo radiotherapy lots of surgeries that kind of thing yeah. so often our system leaves people broken rather than um whole so that's kind of mm. where um so with all of that um i started thinking about what did i want to be doing and um thought about coaching didn't think about owning a business it was more about i wanted to help people to you know, prevention is far better than cure. Yeah, yeah, and you've you've talked about the the gap in healthcare, and it's it's an interesting thing. And people often say, "What's the value of coaching?" And when you think about somebody having been through such a significant journey, and then being on their own in between visits to their doctor or their specialist or whatever, it's it's a lot to deal with. It's not just like you broke an ankle. No. You know, it's a it's a life changing experience, right? And you have to maybe rethink and re-navigate your life going forward and, and who's going to help you with that. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's a perfect I think the the and it's where I started in terms of thinking it was one of the areas that I actually wanted to be working with people mm -hmm. um around helping them navigate the 
multiple practitioners that are in your world because it's not just one when you have something like cancer you've got multiple practitioners who aren't necessarily talking to each other and so that that in itself then Mm. you know presents a whole heap of other challenges um in the equation and Mm -hmm. so it's you know how do you help people to have a really clear plan about um what the priorities are you know what their priorities are, not what other people's are, but what, what are their priorities and how can they then rebuild following, you know, mm-hmm. that that trauma, that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And and so fast forwarding three years now, who's your typical client now? Who no. are you working with in your business mostly? Uh, so mostly um, I'm working with... Um, it's predominantly women, though I have started to get uh, male referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, my model is about working with a whole organisation, but I have to say that that hasn't transpired as I thought it might. It's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, co- you know, owning your own business in coaching is a work in progress. Yeah. So yeah. predominantly my main clients are coming from uh, government employees who... Mm-hmm. Um, are actually being seen as underperforming or having significant health issues that are preventing them from or perceived health-related issues mm-hmm. um, that's uh, impacting their ability to perform at work. Right. Um, so an example, like, so um, so that's one cohort. So they're underperforming, mm-hmm. um, but they've been long-term employees. Um, so there's an investment. So rather than um, looking at the three strikes or you're out, looking at what else can they be doing to actually help these people reach their maximum potential. Hmm. Quite a proactive approach, really, if you think about it. It is. It's still very experimental. Like it's, it's, I'm now, it's extended to two and I'm talking to another, so two government departments and I'm talking to a third. Mm -hmm. So it's slowly developing. Um, but we're looking at how we can look at that as an ongoing model rather than it just being ad hoc within that context. Right, um, right. Um, the other is um, my other clients are people who have either gone, so some of my clients are people who have had breast cancer mm-hmm. um, and have, um, you know, are wanting to actually invest in not going back there again, so rebuilding post-treatment and uh-huh. And going from there. And then the other are actually women who run their own businesses mm-hmm. or who work as professionals and recognizing that their health and well being is being compromised because they're putting others first rather than self. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those want to progress in terms of they're at a particular level in their career but they would like to go to the next step but they know that going to that next step requires them having the foundation really solid um, in terms of their self-care as well as their skill set so it's about doing the because of my background I'm able to help them build the toolkit around leadership as well as um, you know build their toolkit around their their um, health and well-being. That's interesting you're working with those three groups and I'm wondering well, I think I can hear some similarities between them. Yeah, there's similarities. Um, so performance is, you know, um, people working at their optimum, whether it's um, in terms of their 
day-to-day management of their family versus how they perform within their workplace or whether it's about that performance in terms of the next step career-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it is all about improving, like, you know, building on from where they are now, you know, I guess is one. Um, the other is that they um, they all have... Um, you know, if I think about some of the tools that I use with people, it's, it's the same regardless of whether they're underperforming at work or they're wanting to progress to the next level. The foundation um, for each of them is very similar. Mm. Uh, not the same because one size doesn't fit all, but it is quite similar. Interesting. It's almost as you're talking and now we're kind of dancing around the topic of niches but it's almost like you're looking at above and below the line of performance like coming up to that line and then exceeding yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah and um sometimes people don't even know what their baseline is you Mm -hmm. know so it's helping them to know where are you at right now where do you want to be and how how are you going to get there which is the whole coaching journey so whether it's in leadership whether it's in um you know, so basically when I think about a whole organisation and when I go in and, and work with them, for me it's about helping them to understand do they have systems and structures that support people being an effective leader mm. or is it actually holding them back? So I talk wellness systems but it's as simple as their communication. Um, it's not just about the health, it's about the mindset and values that organizations use and then how that plays out in terms of enabling and Mm. um, supporting people to actually be self-driven within context. It's interesting uh, to think about the types of organizations that you're working with. Are they people that generally are more proactive and have a a bit of a framework and some policies in place or are they people that don't give that um, level of attention to their workforce and almost need to be educated and, and directed a bit in that area? Uh, so it's kind of interesting. In the government piece, because the government, it, state government is such a large beast, mm. um, there might be policies and procedures, but the practice is different depending on who's leading what arm. Right. Uh, yeah. right. So, um, but there's not a streamlined, consistent approach which Mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, with some of the smaller organisations that I've been working with, they might have it in, in, you know, one in particular that I'm thinking of, they've done some fantastic work in terms of the documentation, but it's then the implementation. And Mm -hmm. with anything, leaders need to model what they're doing. So you can have it on paper, but if you don't have people that are, um, you know, are... Um, walking the talk walking the talk sorry um <laughs> then then it, it 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 isn't congruent so often there's a lack of congruence within environments and so it's about helping them to recognize that this may be the aspiration but you're not quite there yet so what do you need to do to be able to free up for you as whether it's the business partners in in business or um, the leadership team freeing them up to be able to actually live on purpose within that context and then that enables their staff to be able to do the same. Mm-hmm. Interesting I was thinking this morning that um, a corporate culture 
starts with the individual and every individual has an impact on that. And it's, there's definitely that role for, for leadership. And it's also how do you help the individual to take responsibility for their own health and well-being in a workplace? Yeah. And I think, I don't know if I've shown you my model, but mm-hmm. um, that I talk to organisations about, but it is about, um, it starts with self then it starts with the shared systems within an environment. Then it's about enabling and equipping the leadership. So whether you're a leader or you're not, it all starts with being self-aware and building your own toolkit. Um, so then as you build your leadership within that, you've got your shared systems, your shared language, your shared values. Um what it does is it frees up your teams to actually be self-managed. So that means that they're actually they have the confidence to be able to experiment as we do in coaching and explore different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings a freedom in environments because you know everyone's on the same page and consequently creates thriving cultures. Yeah, it's like you're closing the gap between the leadership and the workforce almost, bringing them onto the same page and um, getting them uh, talking the same language and working together rather than that distrust or that they don't understand me or, you know, that kind of stuff's coming in too, I bet. I think what I see more um, is that uh, often smaller businesses are fantastic at taking care of their people, but Mm. they forget to actually take care of themselves. Right. You know, so you can have the policies in practice. You can actually give your staff days off. You can fund them to go and have fun, you know, have a gym program for them, all of those things. But when it comes to... Um, you know, a couple of organisations I'm thinking of, their stress levels are really high Mm. because they're actually spreading themselves too thin. So um, some of the work I also do is around helping to identify what the gaps are. So one organisation I recently worked with was identifying the right level of HR support that they needed for their growing business. Mm -hmm. And so by then being able to help them develop what that looked like they now have someone who's come on board who has, um, you know, like is aware of a leadership development, you know, able to actually do the HR functioning, but also think about the health and wellbeing of their employees as their business grows, mm, which yeah. then takes the pressure off the partners of that, of that firm. A novel way to lower stress. Yeah, well, <laughs> take the load off. Yeah, take the load off. What's the, what's missing in the system, and and what can you let go of? Because um, we don't have to do it all ourselves. It's sometimes knowing when's the point. Same as in your coaching business, when's the point of when you get help from others and pay someone to do a component of your work versus. Mm doing all the delivery and planning and everything yourself. Yeah, yeah. Sounds really interesting, Michelle. And I'm curious to know your focus in business for the next 12 months. Hmm. So if, there was, if there was one or two things that you think are your priorities, what would they be? So I'm having some interesting conversations with some peak bodies at the moment around um, how they can provide adequate support for um so a lot of services are delivered by Mm not-for-profits so um organizations might have an employee assistance program um but it's about helping people to change the behaviors ongoing around 
their health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So you can have a debriefing service for, you know, to, you know, um, you know, a lot of not-for-profits work in environments where vicarious trauma is actually an issue. Mm -hmm. But there are a whole heap of things that you can put in your toolkit to reduce your stress, manage your health and wellness, be more open around those conversations, those kind of things. So looking at is there a space for coaching to actually support um, in education, engagement, you know, empowering workforces and then energising those environments so that people have the toolkit to be able to Mm self-manage that stuff. So that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking at is starting those conversations. Um, The other is around uh, consolidating some of the work in government and, and trying to move it from an ad hoc Um, you know, referrals coming ad hoc to actually looking at a system response where Mm -hmm. we're able to, um, you know, have something that... um, So there are some services where um, people can go in and get a free physio appointment or something like that. It doesn't matter whether it was work-related or not, Mm -hmm. but it's almost doing the same thing where can people have a health check um, or health and wellness check and... Yeah. If they discover that there's an area they might need some work on, how might you know how might we be able to add a service in place that mm. supports them so that the employer is getting maximum benefit, but the but the employee is too. Yeah, so really kind of packaging up what you're doing and taking that out into the in, into companies. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and and you know, it's uh, I was talking to someone the other day. And the key is it's all about timing. So um, in September last year, I had conversations with a person uh, who's, you know, head of a peak body and they were worried about, well, they were um, looking for support themselves Mm -hmm. um, and decided to go a different way, which is absolutely fine. And then, you know, only a week ago I pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm just touching base to see how you're doing. and is there anything I can support you with? And that person's saying, hey, your timing is perfect. We need to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, sometimes you, as a coach who's running a business, you don't see the immediate effectiveness of those conversations, of that marketing, of that dialogue that you're having. It's about planting the seed and then making sure that you go back and water it. And Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's such an important point because a lot of people say, how do I get a steady flow of clients? And the answer is you have a steady flow of conversations. Absolutely. Um, You know, and, you know, lots of people will go the social media um, Mm. way and you have to really know who your client is. So um, the clients that I'm working with are of the age um, and professional um, uh, because, you know, it's, predominantly professional women mm. or organisations that I'm working with, they're not going to pick up a service from an ad on Facebook or Insta, you know. So they might check it out in terms of the quality of your content. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to click a link and book there. No, it's, it's a very important point and it makes me think of, I mean, coaching is a relationship business and you're in the, you're, 
what you are doing is building relationships in both the service that you deliver and the marketing of it. And it's like building friendships. I mean, I remember moving to a town where I knew nobody. I didn't get on the internet and start posting and hoping to make friends. I went out and talked to people and kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And eventually they figured out who I was and I got to know me. And um, it's exactly the same thing. It's that that repetition of showing up and adding value to them, sharing articles, asking how they're going, following up. And it's all, it's also about making those strategic connections. Mm. So, um, you know, this year I've done a couple of workshops for um, two quite like for a local government, but also for the tourism industry, uh, tourism commission of South Australia. Mm-hmm. Now I can't say that immediate work has come from either of those but the relationships that I made in one workshop, 80% of the people in there were um, in the health provision space. Mm-hmm. So they're all relationships, you know, from that we've talked about setting up a meeting on an ongoing basis to come together and look at how we can actually collaborate to provide support to clients. So that becomes a referral pathway rather than it being that you sign up a client there and then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's ongoing and it's about building that relationship. Um, again, with the Tourism um, Commission, uh, that's about, you know, going, you know, keeping in contact with um, the people that attended, providing, uh, I think with anything, hmm. about providing, um, it's almost like giving a gift and then, um, you know, you're valuing, you're value adding by giving something and, you know, not expecting anything back. But what might come is that referral or, you know, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's called the principle of reciprocity. Give first yeah. in order to receive, as Stephen Covey would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think that's the, I don't go and deliver a workshop with the intent that I'm going to walk away with three clients from it. Mm. I go with the intent of hoping that people walk away with um, an aha moment that they can then start to make improvements within their business or within their own personal life and and then them know that if they then need additional support that it's a phone call away Uh, and then that starts a conversation. And I guess the other thing too is that when you go, go to any sort of event or you run an event, there are going to be people there that your values aligned with mm. and that's as in values aligned as a hyphenated word. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit jargony for a podcast, but it just means that you might make a couple of connections in that session that you then take offline and, and can, or, you know, take that's out of that means. session and continue and build that more intimate mm. relationship as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there are some people who, I know of who run workshops and sign clients as that, you know, before they've left the door. And I just kind of go, for me, I don't know how authentic that is in that I think I like to process. And so, you know, gathering information, testing, and then saying, is that what I want to be doing? Is that who I want to be working with? I think it's about, um, you know, and maybe my line of client streaming comes slower because that's the approach I take. But I'm actually quite comfortable with that because the people that come on board are genuinely committed to going the process um, and then become long-term clients rather than it being 
you've done this short intervention and thanks very much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, just to wrap up, Michelle, um, knowing what you know now of all that you've done and experienced, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself the you of five years ago or three years ago? Yeah, I think um, so if I just go back three years, I think the thing that I would have done is I possibly would have stayed working part. To, like so you learn lots about yourself in a process. And so um, one of the things that I've uh, I continue to learn about myself is my need to, to be in collaboration and working with people in that context. So I think what I would have done is maybe stayed employed by someone for a period of time until I had the flow of clients because it takes time. It takes a good, you know, most businesses don't last two years, not just in coaching, just generally. So, you know, it actually takes time to build a solid client base, to build those relationships. So I think I would have um, encouraged myself to stay in a, in a context where that, um, that side of myself where I need to be working with other people mm-hmm. um, to get my wellness um, tick off would, would yeah. have been, you know, we're doing that. I think the other thing too um, is trust yourself in lots of different stuff. So I originally was encouraged by multiple people to have a niche and one niche, you know, like and um I think that slowed my business progress rather than looking at my whole skill set and toolkit. Um, So, you know, like I was going mainly in that cancer space to start with, but in actual fact, our culture in Australia around paying for support in that space is really interesting Um, because people get so much free stuff and there's so much fundraising and those kind of things people Mm -hmm. expect to be given. Um, I don't agree with that, but that's okay. Um, So I think, uh, yeah, I think take the advice of others, but then really trust your sense of where you think you need to go. And I think the other thing, a great piece of advice that I was given is don't build it unless you've sold it. Mm. So one of the things I did in the beginning was start writing programs and having them ready to go. But if you actually haven't sold it, there's no point building it. No, you just need the, you need enough of a skeleton to have the confidence and, and perhaps what you might be talking about to have the confidence to go out there and promote yourself and say, yeah. I've got this, yeah. but it's not the complete whiz-bang finished product. Yeah, because you can spend a lot of time that's not paid for. So, you know, like um, be really clear, I guess the advice is be really clear on what is income-producing activity and what's not. Because at the end of the day, as much as, you know, we all become coaches because we want to help and support people who grow, um, the stuff that you can do sitting at your desk, like designing your website, doing your social media, all of those kind of things, isn't actually income-producing activity. No. So it's about having, it's being clear on what is what is your income-producing activity and what's not. And so have a bare structure. You don't need it to be perfect. Mm. Um, And, you know, as we would talk to our clients about progress, not perfection, I think in terms of our business, that's the same piece of advice I would have given myself. It's progress, not perfection. Um, Yeah. So, and know 
you don't have to spend a lot to get your business off the ground, but there's just some key basics that you need. Good logo, good business card. Um, and you can do that electronically. You don't even have to have a paper form, you know. Um, and a good LinkedIn profile. A fantastic LinkedIn profile, absolutely. Mm, don't need a website. Until, you, until you're really clear who you want to work with and you've done some work, it's good to have a starting point. But then when you don't know in the beginning, it's like when I was three, I didn't know that I was going to university and to become a biologist 20 years later, you know. <laughs> so it's that same kind of thing. You, you might pick a, a direction and keep it rubbery enough and not too much in place so that you can develop it out through your experience of working with people and figuring yeah. out what you love to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Michelle, for your insights today. And uh, I hope that everything goes as you wish it to this year and the coming 12 months. And the other thing I've learned, Mel, is that um, it's just being open to what the possibilities might be. So it's great to have a direction, mm -hmm. um, but then it's about, you know, one of the things I practice daily is being grateful for the new opportunities that are presented. And so if mm -hmm. you're not open to them, you can't actually know what they are. So, True, yeah. you know, it's about, you know, um, I talked to my daughter about the space that we're, that you're going to work in may not even be designed yet. So the space that we're working in as health and wellness coaches may not even be defined yet. So being open, listening um, to what people need and then I guess, you know, adapting is mm -hmm. what we need to do. It's very valid. And the first bit you said is the important bit, I think, is listening to what people need. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise you don't have a thing. But, yeah, if that, that opportunity comes up and people are mentioning it, I totally agree. If you're a tunnel visioned, you could miss something important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. um, awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to this episode and there'll be a transcript uh, on my website uh, if you want to go back and revisit it. Thanks again, Michelle. No worries. Thanks, Mel. Okay, bye. Bye.